Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Burju Arsoy and Andrea Gilberti to discuss the topic of personalization in UX and what can sometimes be the dark side of personalization. So Andrea and Burju are from Electrolux and Levels, which is a design consultancy for people who might not be familiar with that company. Um, And they have prepared a couple of questions that they would like to discuss on the topic today. We do also have one other question um, that has been thought up by a guest who unfortunately can't be here today because he's uh, he's unwell, but we will be discussing that as well. So uh, he knows who he is. Thank you for your contribution, Stefan. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with Burju, your question, um, which was about the how sometimes personalization can go a little bit too far and um when when is that can you elaborate a little bit on uh, on what your thoughts were on this and what your question was sure um i was thinking along the lines of um especially from my personal experience all the products and services that they i use on a day-to-day basis and realize all this personalization that they're having in the background and i feel sometimes that it can be too much um, when i feel like they're intruding to my life or when i feel like i'm always being listened even though i'm not interacting with that social media they're always listening what i'm talking to my friends they're always following what i do what i watch what i listen which can be quite disturbing in a way. I understand that um, most of this is for my benefit because they're trying to provide me a better experience. They are providing, you know, better suggestions for different products, etc. But how can I know, how can I ensure that they are actually using and putting data in a good use and not sharing with, with other companies or not having, um, not abusing it basically, because maybe I have watched a bit of a uh, Black Mirror episodes, maybe too much. Um, And I'm more on the skeptical side of things, even though I am in the industry and I'm not really skeptical. And I always accept all the cookies and everything without reading. (laughs) But still, you know, at the back of my head, I'm always questioning. And I have actually tested it myself just to see whether they're really listening to me or not. I I was talking to a friend and I was talking about something that I wasn't intending to do anyways or buy, but then I started seeing ads for that thing. So it was a kind of a proof that I was being listened, but it's also easy to deceive the data that's being collected, right? When you become more aware of things, you can also try to manipulate the data in a way. So I think that's more towards the dark side of things and how things are evolving because we will never have transparency um, of the data that's being collected or uh, managed or how it's being put in use. Yeah. And you gave, uh, when we were kind of discussing these topics previous to today, you came up with a really good um, kind of analogy for it about a hotel room. Can you kind of explain what your thoughts were on that? Because I thought it kind of illustrated your point in like a real world setting really well. Uh, Yeah, I think that idea came from like the previous projects that I have done several years ago when I was working as a design consultant, you know, when you're thinking about a new concept that's going to happen in the future, you always sketch out these scenarios as, as concepts and then you present um, and you always draw these happy scenarios. Imagine a person who is going to a new country, visiting a new city, who has booked a hotel room and imagine that 
I have been sharing all my data from my Netflix account, from my Spotify account, from my connected thermostat at home and everything that's connected. And then I arrive at that hotel, I open the door and then everything is adjusted to my preference. Isn't it nice? It would feel nice, maybe, but I also don't know uh, what's going to be the next level and what that hotel is going to do with all the data and everything that they know about me. So that is kind of a scary part. In a way, it can be very enjoyable because you would feel very welcome and at home and it's such a nice personalized experience. But on the other hand, there can be so many downsides to it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, I think I think I asked you when you first illustrated that to me. Well, you know, as someone that works with uh, those sorts of products that are going in people's homes, would you give your data to that hotel to have the room temperature perfect, to have your Netflix already on the TV, to have everything set up as though you're almost walking into a second home? And you were like, no, absolutely not. And I think I completely agree with you. I. Uh, I really don't think that I would be comfortable with that. I mean, Andrea, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I would not feel comfortable, like, at all. Um, but uh, it's, I think that there's kind of a, um, kind of a difference here. Uh, I, I think it's also generational. Um, I'm 34, and I'm noticing that I, when I talk to people that are, 10 years younger than me, uh, they can be, but they can also be uh, 18, 17, 19. They were, they were born in this kind of idea that you could actually trade some of your personal life for free services or to have a better customer experience in general. So I think it's, um, I think it's a matter of uh, how, how you were, how you grew up also. Uh, but I, my sense is that we will, uh, uh, get to you know some kind of maybe some kind of but biological you know wall and it would just feel too much for everybody this is my uh, this is my sense but uh, i think that uh, um, it can definitely go too far and uh, just to give you an example uh, i uh, gave my mom i think it was like a couple of years ago uh, a smartphone and it was actually the first time for her so she was uh, quite happy. She's pretty uh, tech savvy, I would say. She's like, she's 60. So uh, she wasn't really uh, super uh, experienced, but she was uh, up for the challenge. And she um, was, I think she w she went out to uh, buy something. And when she um, came back home, she was like, my phone is asking me if the bus that it took was crowded. And she she was horrified by the perspective of being like having because it's it's a very specific question right yeah. like uh, somebody that only somebody that know your you know habits and what you were doing that that day specifically at that time specifically would actually uh, ask you the question so she was like and and that actually made me thought deeply um yeah about this i would not feel comfortable uh, at all to be honest i'm uh, not super uh you know positive about this because actually when when things seem so clearly positive people tend to downplay all of the possible uh negative implications so uh, i t i tend to be a little bit more uh careful when i see something that is incredibly powerful and very clearly beneficial uh, but that's usually the kind of stuff that can go uh, a little bit too far, I think, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a bit of a scary idea. And I can completely see from someone from your mum's generation, like thinking about my own parents, they they would be horrified, as you said, <laughs> to find that uh, their phone had known which bus that they were on and was asking, you know, who else is on it? Was it crowded? They uh, They certainly wouldn't like that idea. But do you think that there's a little part of you that feels even slightly conflicted about this? Because as a designer, it's such a kind of interesting and, you know, quite a pushing the boundaries idea that the more information that you have, the more you can kind of do with that. And, you know, knowing that ourselves, um, you know, we just want to creatively explore. Um, do you think that there's kind of a part on the designer side where your intentions are completely innocent? You know, you aren't you aren't the people mining the data. You aren't the bigger company. You're just an independent designer. And in terms of how much you want to kind of innovate and push things, a little bit of you would love to have access to all that data just to see just what you can create in terms of like a higher level of personalization. Um, that's an interesting question because that usually goes into the topic of ethical design and, mm. you know, how much we can actually consider when we're designing and especially when we're not in control of how that data is going to be used by other parties, even in the same company. And mm -hmm. what are the unintended consequences we can create? Because we yeah. all have good intentions. We all have, you know, we all pay attention to not design for dark patterns and such and that data not to be abused and used in a harmful way. But we are not going to be on top of things and check mm -hmm. every single day uh, what other individuals are doing with that data. Um, I think you're right. It comes with the guilt. And even from my current context, we are having a lot of ideas about when we know about how people use their appliances more. Of course, we can bring them suggestions, but it mm -hmm. can easily be felt very intrusive. And knowing mm -hmm. too much about how they use their oven, what they cook, how they do their laundry, right? And I'm not mm -hmm. entirely sure if everybody would like to know that. Everybody would like to get that suggestion in a way from an app. That's yeah. something that we think a lot. What is too much? What is in moderation? What is appreciated? Mm -hmm. And what can feel uh, intrusive? Yeah, do you think maybe it's something that should be taught a little bit more? Like maybe there should be some kind of psychology module focused specifically on kind of the morality of higher level personalization when people are doing UX, UI courses, when they're sort of at that junior or university level. Are you asking to me now? Oh, I'm asking I, either <laughs> of you. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think uh, I think so. In the last, I would say, five to six years, I've seen the conversation around how to use the superpower uh, mm. of uh, good design, actually, to to make sure that it's not harmful. And uh, probably, I don't know any any designer that would like work uh, to uh, I don't know improve uh, gamble online yeah. gambling it's like like I, I i really don't know anybody that would actually do it yeah with uh, especially with the intent of you know uh, ruining you know um um people's life but um i i think so i i i think that i'm am intrigued by maybe the fact to offer like a fully integrated experience like really work on uh, all of the little, uh, you know, problems that all of the little frictions that we have 
uh, every single day in our lives. Mm. That that could be like some sort of dream for me as a designer. Try to because it would it would show me all of the all of the possible problems that we would mm. uh, uh, that uh, we could actually fix. But I am um, uh, agree one hundred percent that uh, there's there's a there's a threshold, and you feel it sometimes when you like think about it, and mm. you say, okay, this is this is a bit too much. We're we're, we're um, um, pushing it too uh, hard. And I am not super convinced that removing all of the friction from lives can be necessarily the best thing, I would say. Yeah, like, so that... We, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to... I was going to elaborate on your question. I was just going to say, so that kind of spins us quite well into uh, the topic that we have discussed prior to this, which was uh, when personalization goes too far and what the consequences of that kind of super personalization are, which I think is is where you were heading. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my my theory, but uh, uh, I want to know what you think, is that uh, I, it's probably good to not be constantly in a um, fully comfortable environment every single time, uh, every every single second of your day. Let's say so. I think that if we if we lose the ability also sometimes to, uh, you know. Um, face situations that are not you know customized or experienced that are uh, a bit out of our uh, comfort zone i would say i'm just wondering if we may 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 lose some uh, ability to you know deal with with you know when when things are not perfectly you know uh, set up for us basically mm. but it's a I, question I... I agree with that because it reminds me of a previous talk that I listened to about um, services and how we should also design for obstacles in the services in correlation with the, you know, the stories. In a story, there is this um, main character who needs to start on a journey, but it's not always a very smooth journey. There are obstacles along the way, and then the person develops and grows as she or he overcomes these obstacles in a way um, in order for a service or a product to create a really powerful feelings and emotions on us. It shouldn't be too easy sometimes, and there's going to be these things that we place specifically, we design specifically so that the person might feel that they have accomplished something, they are learning something. It also reminds me of other studies that are being done with the new generation, speaking of new generation, because they're born into the internet era, right? They're born with the mobile phones and everything. And everything has become too easy for them. And how then the cognitive abilities are maybe degrading compared to the previous generations. I think there are always pros and cons to, to this. I agree, maybe it shouldn't feel too easy, um, too laid out in a way in front of us. And everything is just adjusted to my taste. And I'm just super happy. And everything is about unicorns and rainbows because it's not real life, right? Um, mm. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Do you think that people, uh, you know, you hear people a lot nowadays talk about decision fatigue. And do you think as well, maybe it can contribute towards higher levels of decision fatigue when people are faced with those decisions? Because similar to the comfort, people are not having to make as many choices. I mean, Andrea, I think we touched on this. I said that when I use Spotify nowadays, you know, when I was a teenager and I had the the classic old, big old chunky rectangular iPod, um, I used to, you know, I knew all of my music, like I knew 
who the artists were, the song title, and a song would come into my head and I would be able to find it. And now I, I really struggle to remember song titles. And when I think, oh, you know, I, I'm cooking dinner, I really want to put some music on, I'll just go on Spotify and mm-hmm. I'll either find a playlist that sounds quite good or I'll go on. Um, they have that amazing but terrible feature of uh, the Spotify radio system, right? Where you pick a song, you're like, I want to listen to this song by Taylor Swift. And then you can go to that songs radio so it's essentially a playlist that spotify makes up somehow of that song and songs that other people listen to after that or songs that other people who like that song like and so it kind of gives you what you want but you haven't had to do any thinking and so you know it's amazing when i'm listening to it but actually when i then have to actually think about what kind of music i want to listen to i've completely lost the ability to do so and i'm like <laughs> i can't think of a single song yeah do you think it and really I, like yeah worsens that decision fatigue i i think from the user perspective yes but also from the company's perspective i think that yes you listen to the song they know that but they don't mm. they don't know if you really liked it or not because i feel the same thing right they they personalize this experience to you they also create playlists based on what you have listened previously and mm. i find myself always going to the same playlist and it has become a loop that's recurring and I don't want to think more about it I don't want to create my Mm. own playlist or think every time that I want to listen to music I don't want to make a decision it's easier for me to go to that list that they curated for me yes and I'm not I'm not truly enjoying it to be honest but Mm. I don't have the energy or the time to curate my own list but they have no idea that I'm feeling this to the product they yes. only look at the data and see that I'm listening the same songs over and over again. So they start actually using the same songs and they place the very same songs in other playlists as well. So mm, I think in a, a way, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't really know what I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually everything is... Uh, 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 when I was... I think I, I had my first Walkman when I was probably 13. So I... I'm still, I, I'm coming from the generation that had to, you know, uh, burn CDs, download music somehow, use a computer. So there were there were many, many steps in the process to get to uh, wanting to listening to a, a specific album or song and being able to actually have it. And I think that that, that time made all the process a bit more intentional. So like mm. everything was a bit more. Uh, it was a process. So there, your 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 brain had a, had the time to adjust and to, I would say, bring the process in the real world. And all of your life is made of steps, right? Now it feels like everything is there before you even want it. And uh, we know that it's you know very comfortable, but at some uh, at the same time feels uh, a little less uh, personal and less intentional. And mm. this is uh, this is my biggest uh, I, I would say problem with this idea. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't know if it's uh, uh, if it's pertinent, but I I um, uh, I uh, have a brother. He's uh, a mechanical engineer. He's a super patient guy, and he always wanted to uh, have a bike by a um, um, a motorbike. Yeah. And he waited, I think, like ten years probably. And when I asked him, but why why did you wait so long? And he was like, because I let like the 
my wish to buy this bike sink in and and really you know appreciate it and be very mindful about it um you know that's a little bit uh weird uh story but i think that that's that goes to show that there there's now it's very different everything mm. feels much more um, uh, you know fast and sudden and uh, i don't know if it's a good thing probably it's um it's it's going to cause some some issues um down now yeah yeah no i think that's a really a really good example actually and i completely agree we we really have lost kind of the appreciation of having to wait for something i think so many of my friends nowadays when now that you've pointed that out and i think about it a lot of them really don't have the patience to kind of you know as soon as they think of something they want it immediately but they do kind of savor it a lot less and those two things do seem to correlate And I guess, yeah, similar with the Spotify thing, like if everything is just kind of constantly being fed to you and you haven't had to wait for it, you haven't had to put the work into, you know, thinking about which one you want. And as you said, finding a way to download, definitely not pirate (laughs) that song, (laughs) then, you know, it's... um, it's definitely just not quite as sweet, is it? When it's just sort of immediately available to you almost too easy. And now we're at the point where you don't even have to kind of put that thought in. It's um, mm-hmm. no, that's a really, really good illustration, I think, of of how that is kind of something that we're losing for sure. And I I also think that we, we lost something when we lost the physical ownership also mm. of, let's say, music. And uh, I remember when uh, Adobe decided to switch from uh, buying the CDs for Photoshop to just, you know, the cloud stuff. And it felt very strange to me. It felt very, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I know it's like um, ancient times now, but it was only like probably 10 years ago. And yeah. it, it felt strange. Uh, I felt like I didn't really own anything. I was just like paying for yeah. uh, the service. So. There, there, there is something, um, there's a psychological aspect to it that I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I kind of agree with that. I think the, the meaning degrades when the thing is not tactical in a way. And coming back to your example of CDs or cassettes that we were, you know, we have to do, we had to do a prioritization of the songs that can fit in. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. meaningful if you are preparing that as a gift to someone, because it takes a lot of thinking, a lot of effort and time, and you, it is meaningful. It's mm-hmm. not the same feeling as curating a playlist on Spotify and just sharing the link on WhatsApp. It's yeah. not. It's never the same meaning. It, it would never mean the same to the other person. That's how I feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, people, you can get those, um, you know, like in in movies from the 90s where like the boy has a crush on a girl and he makes her like a nice little mixtape and people are so craving that kind of physical ownership that you can now buy like a box that looks like a tape and you open it up and there's a USB inside and you can make a playlist download it put it on the usb and put it inside mm-hmm. this cardboard box that's like a pretend tape and you're like just yeah. just get a real tape but no one has a walkman anymore i suppose but like that's definitely something that i guess people uh people are really nostalgic for right and you can tell from the fact that we've almost gone full cycle like everything went hyper digitalized and now people are trying to think of ways that they can bring that back to those physical items because that's something i think people really miss 
I mean, I think um, what you're saying there as well about when you when you kind of customize something and it has significantly more meaning, I think that ties in quite well with Stefan's question. I mean, I don't know. He's <laughs> he's not here to tell us. So I don't know if uh, this is the direction he was hoping it would uh, go in. But his question was, where does customization end and personalization begin? And from what we've been talking about, reading that question, it kind of makes me think about how when you customize something, it actually has quite a lot of meaning because you've invested a lot of time and thought into making those choices. And kind of similar to when you bake something, I guess, than when you buy it, when you invest your own time and decisions into something, it has more meaning to you when you have the final product. Whereas I guess personalization would be the equivalent of, you know, instead of baking your own blueberry muffins, the supermarket just knows you want blueberry ones and gives you blueberry instead of plain. And yeah, it's like it's the the flavor you wanted, but because you haven't personally curated it and invested your kind of time and your individual decisions into it, it actually just doesn't have quite the same meaning or satisfaction. And that's quite similar to, you know, like making the mixtape or making your own Spotify playlist instead of just having these ones that we cycle through that are suggested. And, um, you know, I imagine when your brother bought that bike, he was quite picky about which bike he wanted and which features it had. And I bet if he'd have, uh, I bet if he'd have bought it really impatiently, he probably wouldn't have done that. If he'd have wanted it tomorrow, he would have just gone into the shop and been like, tell me, tell me what the best bike is. And someone Mm -hmm. would have suggested it all to him. And it probably wouldn't have had the same satisfaction, but I bet he put a lot of work into picking all those like individual features he wanted. And I guess that's one of the big differences between customization and personalization that I kind of think about, like following what we've been talking about and kind of how one actually it it leaves a lot more meaning behind than the other it seems what do, what do you guys think about that i think it's a good example the blueberry pie but i also think that um, it's it's a balance because mm. sometimes you're in the context and you would be super happy with the store both blueberry pie sometimes that's what you need yeah so it's always this kind of balance of giving and taking in a way for mm. customization when i think about digital products of course we set our preferences we literally tell them what we want right whether we would like to receive a notification or not yeah but personalization is very delightful when they kind of guess what you might be wanting to do and i can give an example from duolingo the language app of course they do have that little toggle in their settings for you to switch off notifications but then they see from your usage that you're not paying attention to their notifications to keep on your language practice every day and then at some point Mm -hmm. they say well these seem to not working so we're just going to turn it off for you this is this is such a nice touch right because they kind of understand me and they're not really judging in a way and they're okay with it i think it depends how much time i should invest to customize and tell what i really want and how much do i expect uh, from that service um, to be recognized Mm -hmm. to be identified Um, i I think it needs to be a balance when it is too much of oh we know too much about you we know what Mm -hmm. you would want to do next all the time then it can be very creepy and scary but it should be a bit smart it's like a relationship how much do you want to tell the other person what you need all the time at some point you would like them to anticipate what your needs are after you get to know that person a bit more yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think that the key word here really is balance. And I think that the beauty of customization, going back to the example of the pie, is that you get to enjoy the process. Because mm. if, you, if you want to book a, to, uh, sorry, to uh, bake <laughs> a pie, it's not only nice for the person that's going to receive the gift, but it's also nice for you because you can enjoy the process. To mm. me, that's 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 the main difference here. So uh, I think it's 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 based on what what if you also want to let's say contribute to the experience of the creation of you know the outcome in this case could be the cake um uh, but i agree it really depends on what the situation is what your uh, end goal is um and uh, i'm really um uh, positive uh, um about this example that you just made actually i i think it's a nice touch and that's exactly the kind of non intrusive but and 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 subtle uh mm. A good uh, you know yeah touch like it's it feels good um again you feel a bit understood in your in your little uh you, you know in the little things i would say so yeah definitely it's a balance yeah yeah i really like that example of duolingo actually i wasn't aware that the app had that feature and you're right it is really nice i think a lot of the time we're so accustomed to companies kind of pestering us for attention Actually, there's something, um, you know, it's nice that they have the personalization to know to switch it off. But also there's definitely an element of like, oh, you're willing to not pester me because you can see that I'm not reading these things. And actually, that almost is so not quite what we're used to getting from big companies that it that makes it quite nice in itself as well, doesn't it? That's a really lovely example there for sure. Amazing. Well, I think uh, we'll leave it there for today and wrap it up. I'm I'm conscious of the time, but thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I've really, really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on this. I think um, the dark side of personalization is definitely something that as designers, you know, we all need to be aware of and mindful of. And I think it's great that people like yourselves who are kind of in those leadership roles and, you know, willing to come onto things like podcasts uh, out there talking about it and making sure that, you know, it's something that we're all kind of bearing in mind. It definitely has a huge part in the things that we're going to design moving into the future. And there's absolutely no chance that we're going to get rid of personalization. Um, you know, it's definitely here to stay. But I think we do for sure need to be very mindful as designers and also as consumers on how it is affecting us and um you know having people like yourselves come onto podcasts go online go on linkedin go on facebook and just be talking about these sorts of things is uh, always the first step into making the conversation happen and making sure that it's in people's awareness so thank you so much guys um i'd like to thank you both burju and andrea for coming on today this has been another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, you can reach out on LinkedIn or you can email me at hannah.holloed at evolutionnordics.com. Okay, see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>